welcome to episode 90 of Friends of Film, a podcast that has news and theatrical releases. On this episode, we'll cover many new trailers, Linda Hamilton's return, a potential new Marvel movie, and more after review Kingsman the Golden Circle. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes by searching Friends of Film. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood. Once again, enjoy my man joining me in this sauna, Josh Straley. In this sauna. Oh, yeah. It it's is, a little warm in here. It is 90, and we are officially two days into the first uh, week of February. Or February, fall. fall. Thank you. <laughs> wrong month, wrong no. season. I would not be upset if it was February because that means we're like right on the edge of Black Panther. Oh, yes. But that also means we miss Star Wars. And, and that would be crushing. Thor and, and Justice League. And Justice League. Some of the movies we're going to talk about with trailers. So For sure. That would, that would be a little sad. But at the same time, it'd make me that much closer to the Infinity War movie. <laughs> and whoo. I'm, I'm excited. 2018 looking nice. Yes, it is. 2017 still got plenty of good stuff in it. Yes, it does. And we are going to review hopefully one of those pleasant surprises today with Kingsman: The Golden Circle. We both had very high expectations for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you listen to our most anticipated for the fall of 2017, or even you listen to uh, the most anticipated at the top of the year, uh, there Kingsman: The Golden Circle is ranked very high for both of us. And now it is time to see what. What it turned out to be, uh, Josh yes. is going to kick us off with the review, but we'll probably get into spoilers at some point. If you have not uh, seen the movie, there will be a timestamp in the description so you can skip ahead to the news and avoid all the spoilery details of this movie. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, Josh, what yeah. was it like? Okay, well, Matthew Vaughn, right off the top, is finally, clearly one of the best action director movies action movie directors out there right now stylistically mm-hmm. uh arguments can be made that david leach and all those other uh, people are uh killing it in just you know the practical effects you know categories but Ma- vaughn has established that he has a unique style and his his close-up dynamic range camera work is like jacked to a 10 on this movie and i loved it uh every shot from uh seeing people shredded by uh, various kitchen appliances <laughs> to um, uh, interesting use in kind of like halfway through the movie during a romance scene. Uh, but other yeah. than that, um, the movie itself is a little uneven, mm-hmm. slow, and it was a lot more British this time around. Yeah. And I think kind of left me disappointed ultimately um the the dry humor and the cringe humor was great i i thought it was fantastic um but story-wise everything else just felt dry eggsy's story this time around isn't um trying to live up to his father or trying to be something better for himself and for his family those plots are completely shoot out except for like one passing mention yeah and i think those what gave that first film a lot of soul and heart yeah especially you know when the end credit comes around and you realize matthew vaughn's mother must have passed away oh, I, I didn't yeah i must have checked out at that yeah. point and then it just that really stuck out in my mind this just felt like kingsman greatest hits plus a little extra and it comes at the point where Colin first return is actually ridiculous and yeah, I wish he I hated it hadn't been in the film yeah. at all right yeah uh, terrible his amne- or, yeah well like, yeah, we, I guess well, we'll get to it in spoilers yeah his, yeah. his, his whole setup totally lame yeah. the statesmen in total were lame I yep. thought Channing Tatum is sidelined almost immediately yeah. and he, I 
thought his character looked like one of the most fun parts of the movie. Yeah. Um, luckily, though, he was redeemed by Pedro Pascal. Uh, he was, and he just, Pedro proved that he is too good of an actor not to have his own series, his own slate of Oscar movies. Isn't Narcos his series? It is, but I haven't it's seen it. Netflix, and okay. it's, it's not, it's never going to get any love anymore because it's been around for three seasons. <laughs> That's probably it's on true. four, going on four now, three. Yeah, whatever three just is. aired, I think. Yeah. Um, and then particular plot points were just loony. Um, Especially, I mean, mainly the president of the United States entire oh take. Oh my gosh! Uh, now, the whole part of this is a cheap shot. I think uh, I think it's a cheap shot, and I like cheap shots. I don't mind them at all. They're really good, um, but I just don't think this was well done. And then there was this over the top cage stacking, like prison. And I was yeah. like, okay, Vaughn. Uh, the first one was, you know, somewhere akin to that, seeing heads explode and confetti mm-hmm. and all that jazz. Um, so, sure, this is somewhere in line with that. Stacking people and having heads explode all across the world is, you know, relatable. Mm-hmm. Fine. But it just didn't do it for me. I don't know why I felt taken out of the film at that yeah. point. Um, so, this, But despite all that, though, I do have a list of good things about the movie. Like I already said, the action and Pedro, phenomenal. But Julian Moore's villain, I didn't think... It could have been better than Sam Jackson's in the original. Are you saying it is? It is. No way. It is. Well, I, I will disagree there. Okay, but she's she's eccentric. She's loony. The plan is right in line with what Sam's had, mm-hmm. um, and hers again takes another pot, like you know a punch at like a social thing, I suppose, yeah. or a political thing, um, and just her whole uh, air of. 40s 50s nostalgia like you know that she must have grown up in and got forced into exile and built up this basically uh diorama of her old hometown you know set in like you know 50s america uh i thought was kind of funny kooky and her uh Kidnapping and exploitation of Elton John. I, can I, yeah, I, that's, that's, yeah not spoiler, that's, right? that's not spoiler. Yeah, yeah, was hilarious and overused a little bit. Maybe. Overused a little bit, but at the end when he makes an interjection to Rocket Man, <laughs> yeah. it was perfect. Um, and yeah, that's really where the the movie kind of ends for me. I I was super disappointed and just like the the throwing away of characters, Mark mm-hmm. Strong in particular. Um, for a lot of the reasons and then yeah it just felt like a a asterisk on the end of the first Kingsman movie and yeah. not really its own film mm-hmm. uh, and we'll talk a lot more about that in spoilers but I can't really give this t- movie any more than three ticket stubs yeah uh, building off your asterisk point that yeah. was really my first point I wanted to make with this movie that it didn't feel like a proper sequel to Kingsman it felt mm-hmm. like for most of the movie, I didn't really even think a f- it didn't even seem like a Kingsman movie to me. It didn't, it lacked the heart that the Kings, that the first Kingsman ha- lacked part of the charm. And then it, it just kind of went even further overboard on the insanity, um, which at some points worked, but at other points I was like, this just, it just seems a completely different franchise at this point than what it was with the first film. And, Maybe that's, I think that's partially to blame Matthew Vaughn as much as I love him as a director. 
it seemed like this one he just like went crazy with ideas it's like i'm gonna put everything in here apparently he has a three hour 40 minute director's cut of this movie mm. which i don't even know if i would want to see because i'm sure it adds i mean it adds an hour worth of content mm. but how much could it actually improve in terms of the story or the characters um the decisions he makes specifically with um a couple of the characters i don't know how it would make those decisions any better yeah um so that i feel like a lot of my criticisms go towards vaughn uh edgerton is still very charming of as exe oh, he's yeah, he's as, as great as he was in the first one um but it did feel less like his story it felt like i almost saw less of him in this movie um in standout moments because it was this ensemble it was like if Casino Royale. It was like the two, the first two Craig Bond movies, Casino Royale, and then Quantum Solace, mm-hmm. in, in quality and story and everything. Yeah, yeah. But if there was, I agree with you that Pascal was a a, a highlight of the movie. Absolutely. Even though, again, some of his char- the decisions they make with his character, I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I saw this coming a mile away. Um, I don't know why certain people aren't questioning what is happening at this point um but then i i think mark strong though was the standout for me i thought he was excellent in terms of his performance he was given a lot more to do in this film um i don't agree with everything that happened with yeah. his character uh, which we'll definitely get to in spoilers <laughs> um but up until that point i was loving him completely um i would disagree with you about the villains. I thought the villains were really weak. Uh, it felt what? like they were just trying to replicate the magic of Sam Jackson, Sophia Patella. And I thought Julianne Moore was okay, but I didn't think she was particularly menacing. Um, and yeah, she, she think- lacked sort of the charm that, um, that Sam Jackson had. And plus her, like her, uh, her finale is so less gratifying than I found the way they ended Sam Jackson's arc. It just seemed like eh, we're done here, and it was just over. But ain't like super like just because she was so quiet. I mean, like the whole. I guess I don't know. I thought it was like a great pivot away from over the top. Well, over the top eccentric, world class guy to someone hiding out in a forest but they've also got billions of dollars so they're like heck let's let's make this ancient ruin like you know right. a home and like that was a cool idea to play with and i liked her i liked poppy's island or whatever you want to call it poppy um, land yeah but i mean yeah just the way a lot of her interactions wasn't with anybody i particularly cared for so like she didn't get to interact with the kingsman that often um just very briefly a lot of her conversations were with the president which bruce green uh greenswood i think's his name yeah uh mm-hmm. he's an Oh, I don't even know what was going on there. That was I hated his whole section, and plus his assistant subplot. I was like, "Oh, this is just terrible." Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just really overall, it felt like a huge step down from the first movie. The Statesman, like you said, super underused. I mean, huge disappointment there. It really just felt like universe building. And they're a part of. They're the. They're a central part of the story too. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Oh, we need to skate around this as much as possible." Yeah. Like, oh, uh, we need to push the brakes on this a little bit so we can make it last for a third movie almost um, and potentially a spinoff or something. Like, it just it just didn't feel like Vaughn had as concrete and um, planned ideas for this movie as he did with the first film. Um, 
And I mean, if there's one saving grace beyond all that stuff, there's some good action sequences. I yes. thought once they get to Poppy's land, that's where it felt like a Kingsman movie because mm-hmm. it had the crazy cool action. It had uh, Edgerton and Firth back together, reunited. It felt like the first movie, but up until that point, there's other set pieces where I'm like, okay, the the one in um, there's Iceland or uh, Norway, wherever they were, Sweden, Sweden, yep. it, Italy, Italy, Italy. Yeah, yes. Uh, I was like, yeah, that one's. It looked a lot cooler in the trailers, but it was really basically just what was shown in the trailers. Right. Um, expanded upon for was, another minute and a half. It was an awesome Pascal moment. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and Pascal, his uh, his electric whip. Yeah. Excellent. But epic. Again, underused. Um, Right. I would have liked to see way more of that, see what other gadgets they have. But, again, I think they're just saving all that for the future. Yeah, I mean, no, clearly not because, I mean, well, I mean not with, we penetrate story, you know. Not uh, with him, spoilers, but, but, but I mean, with just the statesman in general. Like, they have to have more stuff. And I think that this just would have been a more, a finer movie if instead of the – Kingsman have a team up with the Statesman. Why not? Like, why not set the Kingsman back to like? All right, well now it's just you know we're down in dirty spies. Like we have to do this old school mm-hmm. style. Go after. We had to use sources and resources, and you re- use really old technology and yeah. all this stuff. Go at it that way instead of all right. Well now we're gonna team up with a multi-billion-dollar corporation known as the Statesman and to right. fund all of our yeah. Fun. I was like, nah, just didn't work. Um, but I'm gonna agree with you for your ticket stub rating. It's just a three right. ticket stub movie, barely. Um, a, a, really, one of the biggest disappointments of the year. Yeah, I mean, not, not not, and that's not to say it's a bad film. It just it it became what maybe I expected the first Kingsman movie to be. I think that's fair. You know, if I'd hurt, you know picked it up off the street mm-hmm. or anything like that yeah yeah let's let's get into spoilers if you haven't seen kingsman the golden circle turn away now uh so you avoid all the t- twists and turns this movie has to offer go ahead to the news but starting with spoilers killing mark strong was the dumbest decision ever yeah you have a class you have a, you have a class actor in that dude and I should have known it was happening as soon as they started giving him so much character, so much character. I mean, take me home country roads. John Denver is Uh, having a year, I suppose, (laughs) Uh, which for the bat, I mean, which is totally fine with me. That's a a classic song. Um, But yeah, they build him up throughout the film as in like, all right, he's ready to get out in the field. Him and Halle Berry both are kind of having that conversation and then immediately steps on a landmine. Well, he does. It's not, it's eggs. He steps on a landmine and then he's like, Oh, that's right. I'm going to push him off so I can be the hero. I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. you guys have to find, could have found some way to make that work. Like they said that the landmines turned off. Like, like, Poppy always said, make sure you turn the landmans off. Make sure you turn them back on. So I, I thought for sure, okay, well, they're just going to – Eggsy and uh, Harry are going to go up, defeat him, turn off the mines, and he'll be fine. And I was like right. – But then once I realized that wasn't happening, I was just upset yeah. <laughs> because he was such a great character in both movies, and to waste him like this uh, was really disappointing. And it was it was so out of line with him mm-hmm. too. I mean, like, we never get the sense that he's a hero like, right. at all throughout the film. and. It was just his his arc is just oh I'm I'm a good friend I'm a great at my job all right I have a favorite song mm-hmm. 
you're my friend, um, Colin, uh, whose character Harry. I have got it. Harry, thank you. <laughs> I was going to say Galahad 2.0 or 1.0. Right. But, and then, all right, goodbye, see ya. No more. Mm-hmm. And it didn't have, didn't affect any of them throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah. And you would think it would, but they're just like, okay, our job's done. Now I'm going to go get married. So, okay. Right. But I didn't even, as much as I hated Merlin's death, the just blatant and tasteless killing of Roxy and um, uh, Eggsy's friend and Eggsy's dog. I was like, what the heck? That That's where the moment in the movie, where I was like, what is happening with this movie? Like Roxy was such a cool character in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Roxy. Uh, such a cool character in the first movie. And then she's like integrated ever so slightly into this film. And I was like, okay, cool. Like yeah. hopefully she gets, becomes a bigger part of this movie because she was set up I mean, she was she was the one that beat out Eggsy. She was right. the prototypical Kingsman agent, and then just to kill her off like that, I was like, "That's so dumb." Mm-hmm. Like, why why would you do that? But I mean, yeah, and just tone tonally and use of everything, just felt ill. Like you know, like he had so so much unwieldy material that moving through, he's just like, "All right, time to trim everything down." Yeah. And by the time we get to the end, it almost feels like they were attempting to pander to the U.S. market with the introduction right. of the statesmen and the focus on the statesmen, but also trying the, to stick stick close to the core characters, which are the Kingsmen. Mm-hmm. And that's where everything's just... that. That's where the movie kind of implodes is the, try, the attempt to fuse all of that together. Yeah. Because why do they need to go to the statesmen? You have to wipe out all of the Kingsmen. Yeah, and that, and you know, yeah, absolutely. And I totally agree about Roxy. Um, um, but yeah, let's let's talk about Harry. Oh yeah, and his please. return. Um, again, one of those things we all knew was coming mm-hmm. because of the marketing. Matthew Vaughn recently said that he thinks it was a stupid decision to put him in marketing. I agree because we would have known about it through oh Colin first back on the Kingsman two press junkets. That's weird, but yeah. To not know how he factored back in would have been awesome, and but then the way that they even brought him back was just so dumb. It was wait they were wasting a half an hour, uh, at least trying to find him or to get to a point where they could reveal that he's still alive, and mm-hmm. then the, another half hour or so to realize, oh well, something's wrong with him. Let's turn him back into the old Harry. Then another half hour of oh Harry can't be trusted. And then you get the last probably hour or so of the film where it's like, okay, now he's back to being good old Harry. Yeah. It was, there was, just, it was just, it felt again like a, a decision where he's like, oh, should we really shouldn't have killed Harry in that first movie. Uh, let's bring him back with some weird gel that protects the brain. And right. it's but, just a magic substance. Yeah. I mean, like it, the films pair well together in terms of story. Like, you know, the, uh, mm-hmm. what do they call the gel? I don't remember anymore. I don't remember either. But the statesmen are able to treat head injuries yeah. and restore brain cells and all that. But sometimes it leaves with amnesia and it reverts back to like a younger yes. self basically. Um, so I, so it all worked really well together. I thought, but like you said, even once we, the build up to meet him comes through, we're like, Oh great. Finally he's there. And Channing Tatum was like so menacing there that, you know, you actually felt that Harry was actually about to bite it mm-hmm. for a brief moment. Um, but then we learn that he has amnesia. He wants to be a phlebotomist, not phlebotomist, but uh, I don't know. Somebody, somebody studies, studies butterflies. Yeah. Yes. And that takes up 
45, 45 minutes. I guess probably. probably what he spends in that way as while Mark Strong and Halle Berry are trying to work to yeah. snap him out of it. Eventually he does. And like you said, yeah. he. I will say once he snaps out, that reunion with Eggsy, that hug was, yeah. was, was worth the mm-hmm. wait. But then everything that happened afterward didn't feel like it was really not necessary. Right. Because then Firth flips back to his original um, mentor mm-hmm. type persona. And there's like nothing has been learned. Right. Which is fine, but that warm moment immediately goes cold mm-hmm. the rest of the film yeah. up until the very end. Right. And then the I just didn't understand it because, you know, obviously Eggsy was really shaken up about Harry dying and then to get him back, back in the field, and then when Harry makes the decision to kill Pascal's character because he knows that he's, a, he's selling them out basically... Why doesn't Eggsy believe him at all? Like, why doesn't he at least check to see, like, oh, does he have a golden circle emblem on his body somewhere? Mm-hmm. I don't. They never explain. They never say if he does or not, which I don't necessarily think he did. No, we learned that he that had he his just, own ambitions, right? But it, I still think just trying to vet his yeah. instincts would have been something that, like that's understandable. But for Eggsy, like, oh, you're delusional. It's like, why? Like right. you, you've trusted Harry this whole time. You were the one that wanted him back in the field. Why aren't you giving him some sort of the benefit of the doubt that he's actually yeah. right? The movie, the movie. I would like to say even that the movie blazes by so fast that logic that you don't have a time for logic mm-hmm. to insert itself into the film. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad. Mm-hmm. But at this point, the movie is such a slow burn, and there's such these 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 five minute. Um, interludes between action pieces, sometimes like in the heat of the moment, mm-hmm. where you can think about what's going on, and when you start to, none of it really holds right. up. Um, yeah, so there is the best way to describe what's wrong here is st- story, bad story choices with a massive story. I mean, just mm-hmm. as an overall arc, fine, good, but these. These little decisions all add up at the end, and that's when you just get, oh, that was just a bunch of meh. Yeah. And it all started for me when Tatum gets sidelined. That was when things really just started to be like, okay, this is is not at all what I thought we were in store for. Yeah. um, Yeah, I mean, just the whole statesman, really huge, huge disappointments. And again, just felt like, all right, well, we can build them into a sequel, so let's throw them in there. But I don't. They didn't feel necessary. Um, so I mean, do you have any other thoughts on Kingsman you want to get to? Any other thoughts? Um, the opening scene. Yeah. The the cabbie street fight. Did that feel off to you too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I Be- couldn't put my finger on it. It's because it was it wasn't real. It's because I because just watching the first Kingsman the day before, again that movie opens in the first uh, I don't know five minutes car chase but it's all practical yeah. you can tell you can see Taron Edgerton driving that car or his stunt double you can tell that those are real cars but then once you get into this one it's a weird mashup of they're doing it in real time but they're also I think CGing most of the surroundings and then obviously the car chases it is yes, there's that. a there's a point where he's like drifting across like three streets and I was like that's cool but it looks so it just looks super CG baby driver potentially ruined this movie for <laughs> right <us. laughs> 
So that, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, I think that was, it took it out. And I think that a lot of those set pieces, even the bar fight with Pedro Pascal, mm-hmm. that was cool. Yeah. But again, it didn't have the practical feel that Harry's bar fight had in the first one. Yeah. Or, and there wasn't anything that even came close to the church fight, which I thought was weird, but I don't know how you would top it in the first place. So, no, me neither. Um, two questions I have for you. Sure. Uh, as I mentioned, Vaughn has a, a three-hour and 40-minute director's cut. Do you have any interest in seeing that? Yes. I would love to see Vaughn try to take another stab at this movie. Or just, or just, I would like to see what he originally had right. cut up. He says, it, he says it could be on the Blu-ray. I so, hope so. Um, I don't know, again, how, how much that could really save this movie and go from a three to like a four or a four and a half. It'll probably be like, okay, or I could see it even making it worse um, just because of it just building out and slowing the whole story down even more. Um, last one, do you have any interest in a third movie and or spinoffs? I have interest in a third film. I have no interest in spinoffs. Okay. Not even a statesman-centered one or you know, criminal ones are focused around villains and their rises or whatever right. the case would be. Yeah. How about you? I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I want to see a third one just to see if they can redeem it a little bit and close that on a higher note than this. Um, spinoffs. Yeah. I mean, unless the third movie is, t- is really Tatum heavy and Tatum blows us away. And mm-hmm. I think he has all the potential to do, but yeah. uh, I mean, unless that happens, I don't know why I don't know what, what spinoff I'd even want to see. Sure. Cause they killed Roxy. So yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, that's Kingsman, the golden circle. That's all we got for our review of the movie, but we'll be right back in a bit with the news. And we're back with the news. And as always, we're going to start off with some trailers. And this week, we got our second trailer for Murder on the Orient Express. Josh, what did you think of this mystery thriller? Uh, we finally got a great feel for the film. That's that. I think that was the most important thing. Um, very character heavy. Kenneth Branagh is definitely like kind of like 1940s, 1950s detective noiring this thing. Mm-hmm. So he looks like he's going to be talking to people we're going to see how whimsical these characters are we're going to see Josh Gad act in space we're going to see Daisy Ridley act in space which I don't think I've actually seen yet mm-hmm. um, so I'm excited for that because I think she's phenomenal and then like finally with getting to play um, an iconic Agatha Christie character from an iconic book mm-hmm. is going to be so sweet and then just yeah everybody in this like just looked like they could have done it yeah uh, and I think that makes for it really exciting because all of like the action that we see in the trailer is B-roll. It's right. not really based around the story so much just the setting. Mm. So I really think braun has got like a, like a play here right. versus some kind of studio action film. Mm-hmm. That's what gets me excited about this. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited for it. It looks good. Uh, again, cast looks great. I thought Daisy Ridley was probably the standout of the trailer. She got um, a lot of screen she time. She got a lot of screen time. She held her own. Um, not surprising um, in the least, but also just good to see because we've, re- we've only seen her in one role so far. So mm-hmm. it's nice to see that she can still, 
do the same level of performance yeah. outside of the Star Wars universe. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in for this mystery. I want to know and try to figure out who solves it, or I want to try to figure out who saw who did it. Yes, uh, try to solve it for myself and hopefully beat Kenneth Branagh to the punch in the theater <laughs> for sure. But I have a feeling that's probably unlikely. And I will say though, Michelle Pfeiffer after uh, after seeing Mother last week, Michelle Pfeiffer looks super guilty. She I'm, she gets the I think probably the best line. Yeah. Where she's like, I know what it feels like to have a man in my room. I'm like, okay. Yep. You're establishing what kind of person you are there. But <laughs> then I also loved uh, Daisy Ridley's line where she's like, I'm going to sleep out here where everybody can see me and I can see everyone. I was like, yeah, yeah that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. They're, they ratchet up the tension. Uh, but we also got our first trailer for Tomb Raider, the video yeah. game uh, adaptation starring Alicia Vikander, directed by Roar Uthog. And even though I, th- I saw this trailer get a lot of backlash and this movie maybe you're gonna give some of it i'm a fan i think vikander's gonna kill it in the role um it looks like really i don't have high expectations for this movie in terms of the story but it looks like it has good set pieces it looks like vikander can pull off her stunts by herself and i'm interested to see her in something that's not just a drama on a scale of dipping your toe in the water to in the shark tank how like now I blew that analogy, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, but are you I mean you're on board for this fully? Would you say? Yeah, I mean I'm gonna I'm okay. gonna go I'm definitely gonna go see yeah. it. Oh, I mean even if we even here. if we weren't doing the podcast, even if we weren't reviewing the gotcha. film, eventually it's a movie that has piqued my interest, and I will be there. Okay, yeah, I mean I'll say this: I was part of me was hoping it would follow that. 2014 2012 2013 video game adaption mm-hmm. looks like it's doing that yeah awesome perfect because i i played that and i thought it was pretty fun mm-hmm. um and it was like sort of taking the myth out of a lot of the laura croft character that's been around since uh she's early playstation days is that what the right, first game yeah. came out? yeah wow um but i also hoped it would be like an international national treasure type of a film it kind of um, and like it that. looks like it Maybe doing that, but also there is a lot of um, video gamey like money shot action parts of the in this trailer. Mm-hmm. Maybe that could be all of them, or maybe they're laced all pr- across the movie. Um, so I hope that the movie doesn't follow that as much. But yeah, Alicia Vikander it looks like she's killing it um, acting wise um, in the stunts. Uh, Walter Goggins is showing up there. It looks like he was mm-hmm. a perfect fit for it as well. And I'm looking forward to it. But video game movies, right, yeah. like they Assassin's a, Creed, let past. me down. So we'll we'll see where this goes. I, I want it to be the best possible. And yeah. I think Leisha Vikander um, and the whole cast of this movie give it a great shot. Mm, did you see the like behind-the-scenes making of video that they also released? No, I did not. It's basically just... Like showing like it was interviewing Vikander and like her process of transforming into Laura Croft and mm-hmm. like yeah she's gonna she's gonna be fine in the physical part because she's just like they show like videos for just like doing tons of push ups in between takes um, doing all of her training and stuff and yeah if, she's a small person she's a tiny person but same time I, I mean she's oh. I think she's gonna show any doubters that 
she can definitely I, hold her own. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't think that were there were there doubters yeah. about the casting choice. Oh yeah, know. she looks like she's good. She looks like she's kicking some serious it's, ass. It's the so. internet. The internet always has people complaining about <laughs> yes, something. That's very true. Um, but I did not see a lot of complaints about the Isle of Dogs trailer, no. the latest yeah. from Wes Anderson. No, what did you think? Uh, it was uh, yeah. To, Pardon the pun, but it was possum. Uh, I, I mean, the voice cast, uh, Jeff Goldblum, Brian Cranston, Ed Norton, Bill Murray, uh, right at the top. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Wesley Anderson film. So it's going to have some kooky spirit adventures, uh, a unique, unique dialogue, very, uh, I'm going to say staccato, but Mm -hmm. I think that, I think that's really how people talk and it's going to be great. It's like, um, looks like it's. Pardon the pun again, but saving poverty. No, that doesn't work. It's just like a Saving Private Ryan movie, you know, with a King Moonrise Kingdom type mm-hmm. film. Yeah, uh, whimsical. Yeah, I, I I love Wes Anderson films because they're so arty and colorful and just wear their heart on their sleeve the entire time. Mm-hmm. Did you Did you get the same impression? Yeah, or, I mean, I I've not like seen. I I I think my favorite Wes Anderson film is Grand Budapest. Okay, yeah, um, that's a lot. Of I have favorites. not seen uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, uh, which is I think his other stop motion. Has he done any other stop motion no. stuff outside of that one? Mr. Fantastic Mr. Fox is the only other stop motion film that I know of. Anyway. Okay, uh, that's what I thought. But I, you're the bigger. Wes Anderson fan than I am, um, but yeah, I thought I didn't even know this movie was um, stop motion until I saw the trailer, and I think I think it has a very cool premise uh, that dogs are trapped on mm-hmm. trash island, and then a kid wanders basically like try to save them. Yeah, um, it opened great with the like them opening up the trash bag. I think it's Ed Norton. It's like yeah. I can't eat this crap anymore. Yeah, like uh, it just like it has a nice charm to it, and mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely one I'm looking forward to the start of next year. I definitely love that the main character is going to be speaking Japanese the entire film as well, okay. and we're going to get interpreted. We're going to get him kind of interpreted by the dogs okay and their interactions as they guide us through the film so i think it's gonna be yeah i think it's gonna be terrific yeah uh but that's all the trailers we had this week um and but speaking of matthew vaughn who directed kingsman 2 uh he told cinema blend this week that he feels he has an obligation to reboot fantastic four to make up for the films that have came before um all i'll say on that is Make it happen, Marvel Studios. I think a Marvel Studios um, produced, made Fantastic Four movie in the MCU. Uh, that's a reboot directed by Matthew Vaughn. Would be killer. That's quite the pivot. It, last we know, last known, Vaughn was gunning for a Man of Steel yeah. film. Uh, he has I, like, he, apparently he has a lot of ideas. He's like, I oh, need to do this. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, and like, listen, I know I sort of I, I panned kingsman 2 there earlier yeah um but the guy's still a great director mm-hmm. I, I i just something happens at the studio level for golden circle and that's right. where i'm going to put the blame ultimately marvel is a phenomenal studio machine mm-hmm. uh, a phenomenal studio and has an incredibly efficient machine to churn out scripts characters and provide all of the components that matthew vaughn can assemble into a fantastic four movie yeah uh yeah absolutely yeah i mean even if it happens at like fox i would still be down oh, because yes, it's, it's matthew vaughn and yeah even though we both were down on kingsman 2 overall um it's still it was his first sequel mm-hmm. so this would not be a sequel so he could 
recapture the magic of the first Kingsman yeah. or uh, X-Men first class and so on and so on. So, uh, again, this is probably far-fetched idea that Matthew Mollett even do a Fantastic Four movie because he wants to do another Kingsman movie. He wants to do a Man of Steel 2 movie. And, I mean, this, I think he has... And I hope he has more aspirations than just superhero films, but sure. um, maybe not. And if he lands on Fantastic Four in a couple of years, I'll be I'll be totally fine. I, and you know, I, I would be totally fine too if Matthew Vaughn becomes the next Michael Bay, because I think he's I think his visual language is is you know beyond anything Bay has done. So you wanted to do Transformers 6. I, I, or just become the next I mean, that go-to be, that action be bad. director, you know? I, oh, I'd love it. If he did Transformers 6, I would be way more excited. Yeah, I would be like, you know, I'd be like, that, I'd be like that meme where it's Transformers 5, uh, The Last Night with a girl on the right, you know, uh-huh. like in disgust, and I would be checking out like Matthew oh, yeah, Vaughn yeah. directing <laughs> it, you know? That, that that would be my take on it, absolutely. That's a, that's a good reference to the meme. Um, but uh, moving on to the Terminator franchise, James Cameron confirmed this week that Linda Hamilton will make her turn as Sarah Connor for the upcoming Terminator reboot. It will reportedly be set in the modern day, um, aging perfectly from Terminator 2, and uh moving it past the predetermined judgment day. So I don't know how they're going to explain that. And they're also reportedly are according to Cameron looking for a new young female, uh, for a new lead role. So, uh, are you excited for Hamilton to come back in these story details? Oh, totally. Uh, story details. Yeah, they're, I think they're totally good. Um, my vision lives a little bit, <laughs> okay. but it's a little, you know, it's, it's dinged up and bruised. Yeah, I'm, still, I'm not sure how it happens. Yeah, I mean, you could just start it right afterwards, you know, yeah. which is fine. Uh, but I watched Children of the Corn because um, I was on my king kick, mm-hmm. and yeah, she's phenomenal in that. Probably the only good part of that entire movie. Okay. I don't know how there are six of them or 12. I don't know. Oh, wow. There's a lot of Children of the Corn films because it's easy just to stick zombie children right, in the yeah. fields but yeah i'm so glad she's back because uh team uh terminator and t2 are the best two oh, and yeah. when they branched away from that story uh they lost all their heart they lost their magic they mm-hmm. lost any kind of they lost the fun yeah and the drama and she's uh, she holds down those films so mm-hmm. well and i am beyond excited that she's back do you think that they're going to force awakens the terminator uh, franchise since they're bringing Schwarzenegger back, they're bringing Hamilton back. They're gonna cast like a new. From what it sounds like, he wants a a a eight an eighteen year old female action lead. Mm-hmm. So they want a new Sarah Connor, basically. Uh, do you think that they're just gonna kind of reboot the franchise in a way with bringing back old characters for nostalgia purposes? I don't think that's Tim Miller's style. I don't think that's how Tim that's Miller fair. makes movies. And I don't think that's how, you know, that may be a little bit how Cameron makes movies because yeah. he's bringing back characters that he killed off completely. Right, yeah. <laughs> but that's for different reasons. So, no, I don't think it's for nostalgia. I think it's actually important to story. I hope so. And I, I would be shocked if Schwarzenegger and Hamilton don't make it out of the film and aren't, you know, for on board for... Um, Miller's second film or right. whoever directs mm-hmm. the film after this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, Linda Hamilton's not super busy anyways, so I, I don't know why she wouldn't keep coming back to the franchise. Would, would you want that? 
I, I, it doesn't really matter to me either way. Not the, I mean, I just rewatched Terminator 2 this morning. Okay. Uh, great film. Yes. But do I need to see Linda Hamilton back in the role? No. Mm-hmm. Um, but her coming back is cool. So Continuity it, purposes. Yeah, everything. I mean, All right, great. I am interested to see how they do this because, like I said, it's after the previous Judgment Day that, took, that was going to take place in 97, I think. Um, yes. And so now they're 20 years past that. Did Judgment Day happen? And now this is like a middle of the war set movie or has judgment day not happened yet and you know the apocalypse is going to start now or what 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 is going to happen with this movie uh, that's really what i want to know not as much of oh who's coming back and who's not yeah um but yeah speaking of characters that may come back that hashtag show is reporting that darth vader will indeed be part of han solo in some capacity uh, they said an actor was reported two set over the last two weeks filming um some sort of lightsaber sequence with uh with vader uh and uh you know it, do you think this is warranted or more fan service and before you answer that question it's another star wars topic i will try not to be <laughs> as heated as last week um <laughs> So yeah, what what do you what do you think about this? Maybe we'll be on the same side this time. Um, it's just a bang your head against the table type of a deal because agreed. Okay, it, uh, Ron Howard teased this kind of too is what the is what the speculation is as well. Okay, um, with the photos that he put out, there are people pointing out, oh, those silhouettes look like. Or there's obviously stormtroopers in mm-hmm. one of the photos, um, and or there are stormtroopers. Vader is often not close behind right. uh, in Star Wars storytelling um so if he's back i i hope that it is not vital to the story i hope it's a flashback i i don't i mean maybe they killed hans maybe vader killed hans all those parents or something uh, or you know no, and I, no, no. even though that would suck and i wouldn't like it at all um that's the way to you know just keep him push to the corner instead of front and center again. I don't need Darth Vader to add drama to my films. Right. Or else that that'll literally, that'll literally mean he appears at least in some form in seven of the eight star Wars films. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can even count him appearing in Force sevens. Yeah, yeah. If you, and there's rumors that I mean, maybe Hayden Christian's part of some force ghost flashback sequence or something yeah. for eight. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't like this because it seems to me, again, that Lucasfilm is just relying on familiar territory in a movie where they already are pushing that uh, to an incredible degree. I understand mm-hmm. why they put him in Rogue One because, A, it makes sense why Vader would be present yes. in that story because most, of how it ends. Right, the most vital um, <laughs> you know, piece of hard til- or, you know, hardware that the, that the, the Empire, Empire has yeah, built. Yeah. Like exactly. he has to be there. Yes, uh, makes total sense. Plus, from just a from even from a cynical business perspective, it's all right. This is our first standalone Star Wars movie with char- a lot of character with characters nobody's ever met before. With put Vader in for ten minutes tops. Yeah, and just so that we can show him in the trailers, people know where it, mm-hmm. where it's set in the timeline. But also, people can get excited about seeing Vader again on the big screen. I wouldn't even argue that's cynical. I would argue that's actually a great idea. Sure, yeah. To, you know, I would say, please do that so mm-hmm. people will see this film. Right. And then we can get more of them. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. I guess I was saying, I didn't personally think it was cynical, but I mean, there's probably right. others that do. Okay, um, okay, yeah. But I think this is the move where they're just like, 
Oh, shoot. Uh, okay, well, um, shoot, we fired our directors. People didn't really want this movie to begin with. Um, why is it happening so late in the game? Mm-hmm. Because uh, this clearly is not something that was, I believe, that this is clearly not something that was part of the script initially. I, it wasn't the... It wasn't the because yeah. it, unless Phil Lord and Chris Miller were like, all right, well, we're saving Vader for our final week of shooting, that would have happened at the beginning of the year no, where all these Vader scenes would have filmed. These are Howard's in reshoots right now. Right. This is a part of reshoots. This is a part of something they wrote into the script mm-hmm. afterwards. Yeah. Or else, yeah, we would have had the rumor break out. I mean, if Darth Vader shows up on on um, set when under Lord and Miller's, you know, directions, it would have leaked. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> before, maybe before they even started filming. Right. So, uh, so because of that, it makes me re- worried that either Lucasfilm is even more scared of the, maybe potentially the quality of the film. So like, oh, shoot, let's uh, let's get Vader in. So at least maybe we can have one awesome, memorable sequence with Vader and people buzz about that like they did with Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also you know just that fact that, again, why, why do they need him to begin with? If this isn't something that was built into the script initially – what now has the story become of Ron Howard's vision where, all right, well, now we can squeeze Vader in here, but we can't let him interact with Han because they never met before A New Hope. Well, yeah. I and mean, there's rumors of maybe the Death Star is in this movie and you can't have Han ever see that. So, like, is there this some other weird side plot with, like, Vader and the Empire and their presence and, like, interacting with, like, Amelia Clark's character or something and trying to find Han? And at that point it just feels unnecessary. And I don't want Vader to be a big part of this movie, but also if he's just a cameo, then it's just like, what the heck? Right. Especially the if they show him in the, in the marketing, if they show Vader's helmet or make the sound of him breathing in the first trailer, the second trailer, whatever, then I just know that they're just trying to draw in extra money. Cause it's like, Oh, we can see Vader again. Remember how great he was in rogue one. Yeah. Let's see him again. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't like that. Right. And you know, I, I, told myself it was actually a great idea to be introducing Lord Vader, at least in Rogue One, like you said, because of, you know, where it takes place. But also, I appreciated that it was drawing up and kind of fleshing out a darker side of Vader that I really believe Kylo Ren, you know, believe exists, Mm -hmm. because he doesn't know how that story ends. And so, if you play up an aggressive, dark Vader, the the parts that he would have heard and he would know about, yeah, that's that's a cool and a great idea, but he has no business being in a Han Solo, nope. a Han Solo centered film, or else what's the point of even titling the movie Solo? Right. Why don't you just call it uh, something generic about you know the Dark Ages, the Dark Times, as everyone calls them? Right. Um, At this just, point, yeah, well, it's a head scratcher and a head face palm. In right. Like if he is in Han Solo, and like this is just a rumor, so it could be false, but. If he is in Han Solo and we saw his mask in seven and we'll probably see it again in mm-hmm. eight or oh, yeah. some force vision of Vader, then does this mean that every single Star Wars movie is going to have Vader? Like, can they not stand alone even to that degree where they can't include? I know he's the most iconic character and he is for a reason, but try it right <laughs> like it's not gonna yeah vader may increase the box office by a couple of million but at the end of the day i don't think you're gonna a console is not gonna be a 600 million dollar box office worldwide movie without vader but then it's gonna be a billion 
if you put Vader in. Right. I don't, that's he's not that big of a draw. I don't believe. No, you the the, the vision looks abandoned by now. Mm-hmm. It looks like Han Solo is going to be freewheeling through, and a, a crazy part in Star Wars history. Yeah. And that that that's what it's that's what it is now. It's not a heist movie. It's not a western. There's no there's no tinges of comedy to it left. Mm-hmm. It's it's now a movie about the in between times of uh, episode three and four. And that's yeah. probably what these spinoff movies are going to be now. Just small tales with characters that you know and or you know of. Right. Uh, so it's it's a letdown ultimately. If this is. And I do believe it is, well, how it shakes out. Yeah, so do I. I. I trust that hashtag show. And speaking of them, they also dropped a scoop this week that Marvel Studios is revisiting the idea of making a Power Pack movie. Um, they, they, they've been told that producer Jonathan Schwartz has been giving uh, executive oversight on oversight on the development. Uh, he has previously been an EP on the Guardians films, uh, but also a lot of the Phase 1 movies as well. So... He has sort of the cosmic touches um, within the Marvel Universe. So, the f- And again, this is just a rumor, so maybe they aren't actually revisiting this idea, but Power Pack was initially one of the ten movies that when Marvel Studios kind of announced to be developing films, Power Pack was one of those ten. So it's been kicked around for, in Marvel Studios for like a decade. Yeah, and with of course. them you know, c- reportedly going more cosmic in the future... I think having a movie like Power Pack with starring teens to children in yeah. terms of their age, age ranges, I think that 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 could be a very um, lucrative endeavor for Marvel Studios. Yeah, I mean, like, like you have your Marvel's films have been playing on edgy PG thirteen for for a little while now, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at just covers of Power Pack comics. <laughs> And this looks like it's closer to a Pixar G film right, yeah. than it is anything. Like, there's this adorable cover right here uh, with them, you know, hanging all over Wolverine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know anything about these kids. So, okay. I'm going to have to ask you here fl- tell me who they are, what do they do, and <laughs> how do they get into the cosmic universe? Okay. But I would, love the I-, I would love the idea that since Spider-Man did so well as a grounded superhero film, mm-hmm. I think we're going to need a lot more of that if we're going to see a cosmic avengers films branch out all over the place mm-hmm. to maybe drill back to earth or do are these kids cosmic they players are, too they are primarily on earth for, as far okay. as i understand but then they also have the ability to interact with the cosmic side as well sure um before i explain who the power back are um just furthermore on why i think this would be a good idea okay yeah you yeah. just saw stranger things with a unknown oh, cast did um blow up on Netflix last year and then it last week Absolutely. or two weeks ago blew up at the box office number with, one horror film all time yeah so uh, clearly you don't need you just need the IP and great marketing to sell a movie which obviously is how it's been forever um, but Marvel Studios also has built up that track record where people would be like oh the Guardians of the Galaxy what no that can't work oh my gosh this is everything I needed in life. I just didn't know it sort mm-hmm. of thing. That's how yeah. it goes. Um, and I think they can kind of do the same thing again, target a completely different audience um, with Spider-Man being hopefully part of the MCU for a while. Him, the power pack, you could introduce like Kamala Khan as Miss Marvel. You could do like Riri Williams um, to just further oh, yeah. a youth yeah. movement um, in this universe, which I think would be 
a genius way to soft reboot it to target young kids that can then grow up with these characters and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But anyways, the power pack, they, it is the family, the last name powers. Yes. Um, so that's, that's great. <laughs> Got it. And the powers, um, they go, their names are Alex, Julie, Jack, and Katie. Alex can control gravity. Julie can fly and teleport. Dope. Jack can control the density of molecules. So Ooh. he can like either shrink himself down really small or become like dust. So like nobody can touch him sort of thing. Like a gas. Um, okay. And then Katie, who's the youngest, she has like, she can like um, collect energy and then have like, um, remember uh, Havoc in first class? Yes. Sort of like that, where she can like create power balls, is what Ooh. they're called, and shoot them out of her chest, all right, um, and out of her hands and everything. So um, that is those are their abilities and their names. How they get those abilities is where this 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 thing gets so crazy. Uh, basically, their dad developed this like antimatter machine, okay, um, that was super powerful, and it was so powerful that aliens came to Earth to steal it, and. But there were two. There were two alien races that came. One of them was a pony-like, a pony-looking alien um, <laughs> called White Mane, right. who came to Earth to protect the device from the Snarks, which is like a crocodile, reptilian-looking <laughs> okay. alien who come to Earth to steal the weapon for their own use and destruction yeah. of the galaxy. And blah blah blah. It's matter. Got it. And uh, but the Snarks kill White Mane. And in the process, White Mane grants these the children powers to protect the machine themselves, <laughs> oh and then they live their days as uh, regular kids by day, superheroes in their in their free time. Right before nap time, Got right? It. So I mean, okay. it, it is it is a is a very wild uh, story, but I think again, one that could have Marvel could have so much fun with. We're there now too. I mean, you know the. The craziness of the MCU movie, MCU movies, has really only begun. Right. I mean, we've we've seen some pretty muted films in terms of what source material is mm-hmm. and what you know actually happened. Right. And you know, playing out like a cute little fantasy where crocodile aliens fight pony aliens uh, for a little bit before they give away powers to uh, four kids. Yeah, that 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 sounds um that sounds something I would totally be down for. Yeah, and I th- also think if Marvel's not getting the Fantastic Four back, this could be their Fantastic Four in the yeah. time being. And right. you could start them off as youngsters and then grow them up. You could have these kids on lockdown for like twenty years, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just keep using them and let yeah. the MCU go on for to like Phase Ten. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's a great idea. And like you said, like do you remember that uh, that SNL skit where they like did all these like fake Marvel titles and they're like, we know people are still going to go see these anyways. Do you remember seeing that one? Uh, no, I don't think I've seen it. It was based, I think it was when like, I think Chris Pratt or somebody from the guardians was hosting. Okay. And they did like the guardians, uh, in the first movie that, that hallway walk where they all formed together as a team for the first time yeah. and go to fight, um, uh, Ronan. They like did that, but like with, these other weird teams and it was like here's i don't remember what the character's name was but it's like here's Catman, and here's yeah. like here's regular here's regular joe and like these just like random stupid characters but they're like but like it always i know like marvel would be like but we know you're gonna see this anyways yeah, yeah. and like it's it's, <laughs> it's it's true we've reached that point where marvel can kind of sell anything uh and until they prove otherwise uh i think power pack would be i think a big hit for them 
And hopefully it's, I mean, it is, this is true and that it becomes a movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I see. I see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got, I pulled up a business insider article. There's like a chef man, a mailman, yeah. an old lady, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> some kind of jungle safari, doc, and then ghosts and tuxedo shopping yeah. carts. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, it's uh, yeah, but again, it, it, it's yeah. it's played for as a joke, but it's also very true. Um, so yeah, I would totally be on board for Power <laughs> Pack if Marvel is actually considering it for a Phase Four movie. And then there's get ready for the Marvel spinoff, Pam. Oh yeah, Pam doesn't matter. <laughs> she will make three billion dollars. Yeah, <laughs> see, uh, yeah, it's I mean, it's it's just great. I yeah, I mean, you, you write good characters have an entertaining story and people will people will enjoy your film yeah. and you can even do it for a lower budget too if oh, you're yeah. not totally down for the idea have a spider-man cameo and right. you know people will just go ballistic for it and i mean and they can they could be able to keep it a smaller budget because who are you gonna like you're, you don't need a listers mm-hmm. you could literally cast unknowns yeah. basically in these roles just so they can grow into them but pull a harry potter kind of oh yeah um and then you could just have like somebody like wise and old, like Tom Hanks, be the voice of like White Mane. Oh, <laughs> and, that would be terrific. And you just be like, okay, we shelled out ten million dollars for Tom Hanks, but the the kids yeah. cost nothing, right? And then all the rest of the money just goes to like VFX and everything yeah, else. Absolutely, absolutely. And then you know, putting putting contract deals on the back end to make right. it more fair for them mm-hmm. and all their work and the success of the films. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Um, but the announced or not the announcement of Powerback, but the thought of it coming back in development uh, was had us curious. And with you know Infinity War, we're going to get a trailer next month. Uh, we were, we've been thinking about what is the future of the MCU after. Uh, phase three after Avengers four. Um, and we wanted to pose the question for the big question this week of who should be the face of the MCU in phase four and beyond. And the, I think the short of the answer is it has to be Spider-Man. And that's where Marvel is literally up like the largest crick ever. And, uh, Downey's older Evans, believe it or not, is like close to, He's close 40? to 40, yeah. Yeah, I, I, which it doesn't show, but anyway. No. Um, Scarlett Johansson, I don't see her wanting to do these movies forever. Uh, I, she's so talented. I mean, she doesn't have an Oscar yet, does she? Uh, I don't believe so. I, yeah, I feel like, I mean, I feel like she's... She has one in her, for sure. She's ready for one, and that her movies are coming around, like, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and Peter Parker, Tom Holland is the one bright light that is still iconic and recognizable that has a, a huge future ahead of him. And I feel like I feel like he's the one that they stake their money on. I mean, just because Spider-Man has, is so universally known, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Or, I mean, he's, he was definitely the biggest name left if... Cap and Iron Man don't move on. Like I'm sure Hulk will still be around, but he's not the face of a universe, right? Because he can't have his own movie. Mm-hmm. So I I agree. Spider Man is number two on my list, and who oh. I think okay. will be the face. I, yeah. I I truly believe the face of the MCU for Phase Four, Phase Five, and Phase Six will be Brie Larson. Oh hey, okay. Um, because not only is Brie Larson an incredible actress and already well known, yeah, she's won and an Oscar, Oscar winner, yes. So. Um, but also because Captain Marvel is going to be Marvel's first female-led superhero. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's a big deal for them. And we've seen what Wonder Woman does box office yeah uh and we've seen what's happening with that character post wonder woman where they're giving her a bigger push in the marketing of justice league mm. there's mm. been some rumors that maybe she's an aquaman she could be, appear in aquaman for a cameo um there's you know stuff that she'll be back for flashpoint but she also has a sequel on the way and it seems like she is going to be the one in the dceu that continues to pop up over and over and over again like their iron man and I think Captain Marvel could be the same thing because she can hold her own franchise. She could be like the leader of the Avengers or whatever they want to call themselves after Avengers 4. Mm-hmm. Um, they could go towards um, like the Ultimates. She's the leader of the Ultimates in the yeah. comics. So she could They could found that and have that be like their new big team-up franchise. Um, but then also, I think the possibilities of Captain Marvel and her power set and everything, she can be that connective tissue to everything she is set on earth she's the protector of earth but she could also travel in space so she could go meet up with the guardians for a movie she could go meet up with nova or adam warlock Uh, or whoever yeah um and keep all that stuff connected so even if they don't do because they're not going to do another infinity war like type crossover for the next you know six eight years probably right but you can still have Captain Marvel go show up there mm-hmm. and then come back to Earth and have nothing change. Right. So I think I think that's where I put my money on that it will be Brie Larson leading the way. That's a really good take. I mean, when you think about, especially when you think about the first three phases, the first four phases, Iron Man is the ringer. Mm-hmm. He shows like he that was sort of like the the play in Spider Man mm-hmm. where he shows up, saves the day, and. You kind of you kind of watch all these other Earth-centered superhero films. You kind of think, well, Iron Man could really kick this guy's butt, no problem, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, maybe not the Thor films, right. but you know, you always get the sense like, oh yeah, if if Iron Man been around to fight the Nazis, oh, over so oh, yeah. quick, you know, <laughs> just film done. If Brie Larson and Captain Marvel uh, is as powerful as a character is, I guess I'm being led to believe as. Like it I seems mean, like all is, material she seems can, to suggest it should just could wipe out Thanos with a snap of her finger. I mean, not okay. Technically, a snap of a finger, but she has she's OP. She's yeah. old. She's overpowered. Okay, um, she will be once introduced the most powerful character in the MCU, and, pretty much without question. Okay, so then we're moving towards a more cosmic centered place. I mean, mm-hmm. the Guardians films, uh, Doctor Strange, open up different dimensions. Um, I don't know what else is coming down the pipeline here, mm-hmm. but clearly they're not afraid to get whimsical and weird and show us alien species and races and all sorts of different things. Mm-hmm. So th- that would make sense because she is earth centered. Mm-hmm. So everything can start there or, you know, uh, we can move around, you know, in that place and then, Oh yeah, that is a really I I have to take back my Tom Holland thing, unless you <laughs> I do know, think I think Tom Holland build out. will be, I because th- I think there's also a couple ways you can take this where two different leads for two different places basically where like I could I see Brie Larson as the face yeah but then like if you look at who is the guy on Earth mm-hmm. it'll probably be Spider Man or maybe Doctor Strange or Black Panther I think yeah. one of those two would be like the guy on Earth but then once you go to space maybe Thor sticks around. And or Hemsworth sticks around as Thor and he can be that guy. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Tessa Thompson becomes the new Thor. 
and she's that person. Heck yeah. Or it's Please. You know, the Guardians or Adam Warlock or Nova or whoever, and they're th- technically the face of the cosmic realm, mm-hmm. but then really it's Brie Larson just kind of reigning supreme over everybody yeah, and just kind of waiting in the wings, um, founding sword and being up in a space station above Earth with a protective Ooh. shield around the planet yes. and just kind of waiting and scanning the galaxy for threats and then being like, oh, you know, the Guardians will probably need my help to stop this threat. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go help them out for yeah. 15 minutes. Right. And you kind of said something, you said something really interesting before we started uh, to tape today. And you were talking about Rocket and Groot in terms of mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy and how they may, you know, different iterations could still feature those too. Yeah. They would be R2 and C3PO right, you know, yeah. of the franchise. I love that phrase. That's a really good way to say that. Uh, and yeah, even with Brie Larson centered, you know, uh, or Captain Marvel centered here, I mean, you could still pull up like, Mark Ruffalo and Chris Evans, oh, yeah. they, they still strike me as people that wouldn't mind showing up to playing supporting roles, even if right. they don't have the Captain America films anymore. And I still think Rob Downey Jr. is... I, I can't imagine them really killing off RDJ. And even if they do, the comics have established several ways where they can still bring him back. Where like Can they be like Batman in, in Batman Forever, where they just kind of like sit in chairs and say... Hey, what's happening? You know, like <laughs> roll up and be like, just popping in. But like then the current Marvel comics, um, with you know Civil War two and all that stuff happening. All right. Um, spoilers for the comics, but um, Tony dies in the comics. Really? But he has already downloaded his mind to oh, an AI. Sure. So then, when Riri Williams takes over as Iron Man. Instead of having a Jarvis or a Friday that mm-hmm. Iron Man has, yeah. she has Tony. <laughs> Mentor program. And yeah, so Tony's right. there guiding her along the way. So that way you could still do RDJ, but he could just be like voiceover. Yeah. Or and then like have like one scene as a hologram Make or something. A cool and few still million. and still do all that stuff. So uh yeah, I think that's that's really the way I think it's gonna go. It's, it's got it's gotta be Captain Marvel. Yeah, I I really do like that. Uh, a thousand percent. Um, but I'm also looking at a power pack, uh, cover <laughs> with them and Spider-Man. So I really hope this power pack movie shakes out because yeah. this looks adorable. And I think, again, <laughs> I think power pack could be a signal that Marvel does go young. Is ready like, to switch back? Go, go really young because they, as much as I, I love Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther and I love Benedict Cumberbatch's Dr. Strange, mm-hmm. they're both in their forties. They're not going to stick around what? forever. D- no. Boseman's like 42. Are one. you kidding me? I'm not kidding. It is insane. He looks like he's 30. Oh, barely. He, look, he looks like he's 28 or something. Oh, like it is insane. Um, yeah, it is. Michael Jordan's not. Michael Jordan hasn't hit 35 yet. Then right? Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> I was like Michael Jordan's definitely over 35. Yeah. Um, I think I think Michael B. Jordan is. He yeah, can't like, even he's do- like he's like 31 or something. Like he's he's young. What are we doing here? But yeah, like all right. But I do think like. I think Riri Williams will be introduced in phase four. I think that, you know, there's been talks of Nova coming in and you could do the Richard Ryder version, which is the, yeah. the grown up version, or you could do Sam Alexander and have a young Latino superhero that lives on earth, mm-hmm. but then he goes and fights space monsters right after school gets out. And, um, you mean- and, or then, you know, Kate Bishop could come in and be right. the new Hawkeye. And, yeah. um, I mean, there's so there's so many possibilities. That I think that's the way that this universe will continue on uh, for a long time is by casting younger stars. And here, here, and this is not like an indictment or anything, but Brie Larson's not even thirty yet. I know. So she plays to that. 
you know, new age, young um, model that you're talking about mm-hmm. over there too, you know, in terms of how the Marvel wants to move forward. And, yeah. And that's is, why like, it would have been great to have Emily Blunt or Charlize Theron as Captain Marvel because I mean, they're incredible. Yeah. But at the same time, they're both in their forties, I think. And that longevity just doesn't last as long. So, right. wow. um, yeah, uh, that's our, that's our Marvel phase four talk. You have any other? You have any other Our thoughts on it? Early Marvel yes. Phase Four talk. I'm sure this is a topic we will revisit plenty of times for sure uh, in the coming you know year or so as we see Infinity War gear up for Avengers Four and start to because I mean, we're going to start getting info on mm-hmm. those 2020 films. We know one of them is going to be Guardians. Yep. Three. Uh, out, but outside of that. That's it. We don't know. Right. And we have to be. You can take a stab that yeah, a Doctor Strange and a Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, well, Doctor could, Strange, maybe not, but Black Panther almost assuredly, right? That'd be a really close turnaround. Yeah, very quickly. But um, depending on how successful, uh, I mean, the hype on that trailer right. is so real. Yeah. That I could I definitely would, see it. Yeah. Um, but um, I personally, I'd rather wait till like 2021 to get Black Panther. So that way, maybe Google can <laughs> squeeze in Creed 2. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's probably unlikely at this point, but I'm still holding out hope. I hear you. Um, but yeah, that's all we have for the big question. So if you guys have any thoughts on the big question, who you think is going to be the phase in MCU moving forward, you know, just tweet us, mm-hmm. tell us your thoughts um, on the big question, but also any other stories. Give us your thoughts on Kingsman. Yeah, um, I wouldn't. I do not want to miss a chance to yell about Darth Vader. So yeah, <laughs> so you know, you know, go yell at Josh and he'll yell back. Um, and thankfully, <laughs> this week I wasn't yelling. Towards you, no, not you at weren't. you. Thank you. I appreciate um, that. I was not yelling at Josh last week in case somebody was wondering. I was just a little upset <laughs> you, that Abrams was not getting he, his fair treatment. I, I don't know if you started the conversation, but you definitely hit me up uh, about worried about. Yeah, I your started. Edge. I was like, I was like, yeah, I, I was a uh, came on a little stronger than I thought I did last week. Um, well, yeah, we will have passion uh, is good sometimes. Yes, though. absolutely. So hopefully, uh, if you guys uh, if you guys had the same opinion as Josh, I'm not mad at any of you guys. It's just you know, I think I don't. We're not going to get into it again. If yes, you want to hear our thoughts, we talked about like 25 minutes last week. Um, so you can go listen to that episode. But next week, what are we reviewing, Josh? We are reviewing a movie that I've already forgotten the name of. <laughs> American Made. Yes, thank you. I was going to say American Assassin, but I knew that wasn't. We already right. did that one exactly. Uh, American Made. Listen, I, I, Tom Cruise is a good actor, um, but I am more interested in Donald Gleason in this movie and the story itself versus just Cruise in general. Yeah. Uh, Donald Gleason has, he's, she, the range that guy has shown from Nazi Imperial Stormtrooper officer to screaming to, at a, a CGI pig to, <laughs> just, yeah. just the little rat, the, uh, what is it? Peter Rabbit uh, yeah. trailer this yeah, I know week. What you're talking oh gosh. About. Yes. That poor Donald. Um and then also his just totally aloof appearance and mother and um this right here, he's playing sort of an ex oh he plays a timid IT worker in Ex Machina. Oh yeah, he's great in Ex yeah, Machina. He is I I this dude I mark my words, but this dude is like a Tom Hanks, you know, in terms of range, okay? But he's just Acting out like a eccentric CIA officer. His, his dance yes. ev- gets me every time. Yeah, we're it's moving so, up. It's so happy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, th- that's why 
I'm in for American Made. Uh, are you in American Made for the original in. reasons? I am in for Doug Lyman. Oh, okay. Because he's yes. a great director. Absolutely. Um, and I am, you know, I'm really excited to see what he does next mm-hmm. uh, with this movie. I've, I mean, it's, I think it's been it's already aired in the UK and stuff, and it's had good reviews so far. So I know it's at least not a stinker. Yeah. So I know that I can at least be entertained by this movie sure. and. If it's just Tom Cruise being a little cocky and arrogant that he's like you know the best pilot in the world and that these cops can't arrest him yeah. for an hour and forty minutes, I think that can be enjoyable. Uh, and then also get him to you know drug trafficking and all that stuff. Right. There's a lot of potential for the story. The whole setup is you know like it has like that Fast and Furious feel to it. Not yeah. Fast and Furious. Better in quality. Um, I'm talking about the federal gun selling program. I, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm getting into the weeds next week American made review yes, yes. Um, but if you enjoyed this episode in our review of American not American Assassin wow uh, Kingsman the Golden Circle for some reason we both have American Assassin on the brain this week it's just <laughs> it was just so good we can't stop thinking about it it's not good that we confuse the two a little bit there <laughs> right that's, that, that that's, is that's that is a, that is true um, but if you enjoyed this episode and our review of Kingsman the Golden Circle please subscribe share retweet and more plus or iTunes go say five star view with comments telling us why you keep listening to the show so we can make sure we keep doing that stuff and then if there's anything we can improve on let us know so we can make this experience better for us and better for you guys listening uh, at home in the gym in your car mm-hmm. wherever you are um but during our time away be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything we covered by between us at friends of film we receive updates on the podcast news and more you can find me personally on twitter at coops underscore hoops and you can argue with me josh at just joshua ryan and thanks again for tuning in to the friends of film podcast josh thanks for stopping by everyone and be sure to turn next week for a review of american made <laughs>